There's no term in the sports vernacular that's more misused, meaning inappropriately, incorrectly used, than small market. As such, I am here to tell you that the Twins are not a small market team. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins where you found this. The Twins, who are not a small market team because the Twin Cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul, which as anyone up there will tell you, counts as a single region, a single entity, make up America's 15th most populous metropolitan market. That's not small. There's no definition through which that's small. However, perception tends to trump reality an awful lot in society anymore. So you'll hear people say small market twins, Small market rays, that's another one. The rays are not based in a small market. The Tampa St. Petersburg market is not small. It's right in there, in fact, with the Minneapolis St. Paul market. Why am I bringing this up other than the fact that I love to? Other than the fact that a few years ago, when the Phillies weren't spending much money, a guy on ESPN, this was on SportsCenter, referred to them as the small market Phillies based in Philadelphia, our fourth largest city. Baseball fans, really the whole baseball world, including the industry itself, has become so accustomed to misusing this term, which includes the word market, to describe a baseball team's payroll. And it's just absurd. No one calls them cardinals, the small market cardinals. Why? They spend no one really even refers to the Brewers, who are based in legitimately the smallest market in all of Major League Baseball, as the small market Brewers. Why? They spend. They're competitive. This term needs to die a gory death. I'm not saying this to pardon the Pirates payroll or anything else. You have to trust me when I tell you that I'm just talking about this term and how much I hate it. I also heard over the years the small market Blue Jays in Toronto, in bleeping Toronto, the small market Blue Jays. They used to describe the Expos as being small market. The small market Expos having a hard time, going to need to move them. No, no. The small market Expos were based in big market Montreal. And oh, by the way, the Twins, who are not based in a small market, paid very, very big money yesterday to Carlos Correa to bring him back. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone, and you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. 
Here's Korea's contract. This, of course, after all of the silliness that went on between Korea and the Mets and the and a whole bunch of other teams and his physical and Scott Boris claiming there was nothing wrong with him, even though everyone was doing their own physical and finding the same stuff. This was what the Twins ended up paying Korea. Going to do this year by year because it's way more impactful. 2023, this coming year, Korea is going to make $36 million. Year after that, $36 million. Year after that, $36 million. Year after that, $31.5 million. Year after that, $30.5 million. And in 2028, $30 million. The Twins have that money. The Twins are spending that money. And the difference between the Twins and, let's say, oh, for example, the Pirates isn't that great any more than it's that great between the Twins and the Mets, Yankees, or Dodgers because you can still only put X number of players on the field. So for as much as I'm in favor of a salary cap system, you might have heard, what has to be understood here is that the reason that I've been in favor of the salary cap system above and beyond all others is that it creates, no, 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 it imposes a system that puts everybody in a similar range. There's a cap, hence the term, but there's also a floor, always, 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 never needs to be mentioned, it's inherent, it's part of the process. So the difference isn't market size, the difference is A, ability, B, willingness to spend, both of them. Both of them. And where the Minnesota example stands out is that the ownership of the Twins is not the type to spend recklessly. In other words, they've always been competitive. They've always put forth a good product. But at the same time, they've never put themselves into any kind of positions of debt or anything like that. So when you see the Korea contract... What you have to ask yourself is, can they afford it? The answer, I think, obviously, is yes. It's just that they'll have to structure the rest of their team a certain way around him. They won't be able to do what the Dodgers and the Mets and the Yankees and the Angels and other teams do, which is just keep right on spending. You can keep that player. Now, again, I understand that there were extenuating circumstances here with Korea, and he nearly left twice. But the fact that the Twins were still able, at the end, to swoop in and get their guy back and to get him back at this price tells you that they can do it based on existing revenues, both local and national. So, what's stopping the Pirates from keeping Brian Reynolds? What's stopping them from keeping him? Not that he's a $30 million guy. I'm not being weird. But what's stopping the Pirates from keeping a guy who wouldn't even get half of the amount that the Twins are giving to Korea? I'll tell you what isn't stopping them. Market size. When we come back, J1Q. It's K. 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today's J1Q comes from Dina, who asks, Should a team pay 20% of payroll to one guy? Probably not, but if that one guy is really only looking for market value, then that doesn't mean don't sign him. It means the overall payroll is unrealistic. Yes, yes, and yes. Across the board, Dina. When you look at the Pirates' payroll in the moment, and where it's probably fairer to point to where it's projected to be on opening day, we're looking at around $70 million. Okay, that that is the problem. Around Major League Baseball, there aren't payrolls like this. There just aren't. There are teams more often than not, including in the Pittsburgh market size, that are up around 115, 120 million. I have been saying for quite some time now that there's never an excuse. Never an excuse for the Pirates to be below 100 million. They've actually been there before under this very owner. Why aren't they there now? Good question. One that he's not available to answer. If you set up Reynolds' contract to acknowledge that he still has three years under which the team holds his rights through arbitration, then in all likelihood you're talking about him averaging somewhere in the $10 million range over the next three years. Eminently affordable. Eminently affordable. Obviously, they just paid Rich Hill $8 million to be a 43-year-old lefty in their rotation this coming season. They can handle $10 million of Reynolds over the next three years. The part that comes into dispute, clearly, is that Reynolds would have to get paid at a free agency rate in any years beyond that. So when the Pirates offered six years and $75 million, this, by the way, gets, seems to get ignored by a lot of people who keep bringing up uh, Brandon Nimmo as some kind of comp. He's not. Brandon Nimmo is a pure free agent. Brandon Nimmo has passed his arbitration years. So looking at Nimmo's figures, uh, it completely does not apply. But for those three years beyond arbitration, the three years of free agency, you would pay Reynolds as if he were a free agent, but you would do it in a way that there's an understanding that the team is doing something for the player as well by guaranteeing money. If something were to happen to Reynolds, uh, not to get you know uh, uncomfortable here on you, but you know something happens, blows out his knee or whatever, and it ends up really affecting his career, it's the team that's stuck with the bill because it's guaranteed money. So you're doing something for the athlete by guaranteeing the money. So it's lower than standard free agency, but not by a lot. So what you're talking about here, Dina, is a contract that you really have to cover those three years. That's the dispute point. And I'm here to say again, it's 
doable. It's eminently doable. And it even fits okay within a team payroll, provided your team payroll is where it's supposed to be, as opposed to having this artificial, self-imposed limit. If the pirates were just at the level, just at the level of the bottom three spenders in their own division. No, 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 wait, I'll, I'll make it the bottom two spenders in the division. Just the Brewers and Reds. Reynolds's contract, meaning the one that he's looking for, doesn't look like anything. It doesn't look like anything. Stop falling for false terminology and narratives and everything else. The money is there. The capability to pay this player is there. The capability to keep the payroll competitive after Reynolds is paid is there. All of it's there. Except for one thing. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. (laughs) 